Good morning and welcome to Recipe for Success. My name is Nancy Giacalone and my special guest today is Rachel Fox. For those of you joining us for the very first time and wondering what this podcast is all about, um, I am an avid cook baker. I love all things about that. And one time I was in my kitchen and I was working away and as my mind does, it tends to wander. And I started thinking about the relationship between food and business. And that in almost any recipe that you make, there's always one key ingredient or technique that is really critical to the outcome of the success. And the same thing's true in business. So we need good people, we need good skills, we need different things. And today I have a very unique ingredient and person to share with you. Um, I'm gonna let Rachel introduce herself and then we're gonna get into what makes her special. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is Rachel Fox and I am with the Sunny Day Fund. And um, my history is more in employee benefits. So I've been in employee benefits for 20 years. I got my insurance license in 2002. Um, and I was on the carrier side for uh, more than a decade. I was with Aflac and I worked under Eric Silverman, who a lot of people in the industry know. Um, and I did that for a long time until I had my kids. And then I took some time off to kind of raise them and, and, and just homeschool them and do all that stuff. I returned to work as a health broker and then I found my way here at the Sunny Day Fund and um, super happy about that. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, the Sunny Day Fund, which I love the name, I mean, it's such a fabulous name, is really about, as they put it, saving for a sunny day. And it's completely different than anything else that you've encountered. Um, it's not retirement savings. It's not an automatic um, payroll deduction for, you know, your credit union account. It's something very different. And I think it's a really big decision to join a company that is doing especially on a return to the workforce that's doing something completely different in the marketplace and forging a new path. So what, what drew you to this? Yeah, I, um, I had never heard of it before. Obviously it's a startup company. And so that was just a really big, you know, as we started talking, they were like, are you sure, you sure you're okay working for a startup? Like we're a startup. Did we say we're a startup? We're a startup. <laughs> it's like, no, I like it. I like the idea of it. I think it's got legs. I think it's exciting to be at the beginning of something and it's inception and really helping to blaze that trail of where it's going and be a leader in this brand new market that's emerging. Like, sign me up for that. That's exciting. Um, and I had found my way here through LinkedIn, actually. So Eric Silverman and Sims Tillerson, and um, they were really integral in kind of finding this, this new career for me. And I was all about doing something that I believed in, that I felt passionate about. And then again, I really thought we're right at the beginning of where this, I feel like we're where HSAs were 20 or 25 years ago, right? Like the IRS makes a couple tweaks, and like, damn, this trillion dollar market opens up. Nobody's in it. I feel like that's where we are with the ESA market. And it's an exciting place to be. So tell people a little bit about what the Sunny Day Fund is and who it's designed to help. Yeah. So the Sunny Day Fund is a payroll deducted, employer rewarded emergency savings account. So we've kind of seen statistically that a lot of people are not prepared for a rainy day, much less a sunny day. So this is kind of the idea of helping people learn to pay themselves first. We've been doing a pretty good job of it with retirement savings, right, where it's payroll deducted and employer rewarded. But we've seen a lot of people having to tap into those retirement accounts because they don't have any emergency savings. So let's take that same concept of payroll deducted, employer rewarded, and apply it to an emergency savings account. So that employees can divert a little bit of money from their paycheck, have it in a liquid account that they can actually use for whatever, whenever, 
And it's really designed to be a, an account for hardships, which protects the 401k from those hardship loans and withdrawals. Yeah, I love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about savings in general, because the statistics mm-hmm. are pretty grim, really, as far as how much money people have set aside. Um, and especially, I can actually speak. Um, <laughs> let's make the lips work. Um, specifically, with regard to minimum wage or frontline workers mm-hmm. um, that are probably living paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. what are the statistics on how much they have in savings, if anything? Yeah, so we know just kind of across the board that uh, 40% of Americans cannot withstand a $400 unexpected financial shock. Um, and so that's a really big number. We saw during the pandemic over 30% of people had to dip into their retirement accounts just to make ends meet. Um, And then we're seeing that 63% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, which by definition means I run out of my paycheck before the next one comes. I'm not saving anything. And half of all six-figure earners are living paycheck to paycheck. So this isn't just about, I just need to make more money. This is about what are you doing with your money? What kind of decisions are you doing with your money? What kind of goals do you have for your money? Are you assigning intent with your money? And are you automating those savings? Or is it really just up to you each time to say, oh, what do I have left over? Let's put let's put whatever's left over in there. Instead of putting what's left over in there, let's take it off the top right away so that we right. care first and prioritize it. I love that. Um, so it's different than a retirement program because right. um, obviously it's not being earmarked for the future. It's being earmarked for right. when you might possibly need it or for potentially a goal. But a lot of the employees that do have retirement um, 401k type programs available to them still don't contribute, even though there is an employer match. And I mean, you and I have probably both heard the 401k rep stand there and say, well, you're stupid if you don't re- if you don't contribute because you're leaving the free money on the table. In fact, that's true that yeah. you're leaving free money on the table. But for a lot of people, that decision is between putting money aside for 20 to 30 years from now and putting food on the table next week. So yeah. it's a it, it can be certainly a, a challenge. So how can an employer reward or match or incentivize employees to have those day-to-day savings um, set aside for emergency funds? Yeah, and that's a great question. And we talk with employers a lot about that. It's like, we know that you don't have the participation in the retirement program that you want. And a lot of times it's because younger workers really value liquidity. We've got lower income workers that are just saying, I can't afford to lock away this money. I need to be able to have access to it. And I can't think about things that are 30 years away when I'm trying to pay my rent today and put food on the table today. So short-term immediate goals are more of a priority for them. And I say, you know, look at us as like the gateway drug to savings, right? Like we're trying to get people just engaged in the savings process, just get them started. And asking them to start saving for 30 years away is a big ask. Let's start having them save for like tomorrow, right? So like little things like what is hard in your life? What can, what are you really hoping to gain out of your life? Like how can we make next year more financially stable for you than this year? And there's a lot of debt solutions available, you know, where we are with Sunday Day Fund, we talk a lot about how it's expensive to be poor. If you don't have the money to pay for things, you're only really given these debt solutions, right? And you're paying interest and you're defaulting on loans and there's late fees and and all kinds of things, which in the long run makes it more expensive for these people who can't afford it. Meanwhile, you've got the higher income earners 
and they're participating in the 401k and they're maximizing their HSA dollars. They're getting even more employer dollars for participating in these programs. So we're rewarding the higher ups. And then again, these low to moderate income workers, they're not participating in that. They're not getting employer matches. And we're wondering why we have a nutrition problem with them. It's like, let's meet them where they're at and give them what they're asking for to get them started. Yeah, I love that um, a gateway drug analogy. Um, <laughs> what it's it's funny because I don't know. Gosh, it's probably been five years ago. I saw could have been a social media post. Don't remember, but I remember seeing something about somebody who every time they got a five dollar bill, stuck it in an envelope and put it away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a good idea. I'll do that. And so I am so protective of my five dollar bills. I literally. And it's painful for me to spend a five if I have it in my wallet, because in my mind, it's already earmarked to go into, you know, into that envelope. And I mean, I haven't spent any of that money yet, but I've recently thought oh, it'd be fun to, to see how much I have a thousand dollars there. Because yeah. It was just that little tiny discipline of I'm going to take that out of my wallet. Now that required it required effort on my part. What I love about your program is that you're automating it, you're making it less painful, and you're rewarding them for for making those good decisions. Yeah. So those are kind of the two key components to get people to embrace a new financial behavior that they're not currently doing, right? If people are paycheck to paycheck, that means that they're not consistently saving effectively. So how can we trade how can we change that? Number one, we want to make a pathway where it's the path of least resistance to automate those savings so they're not having to actively engage in it. It doesn't have to be a lot of effort. So that payroll deduction spot, man, that unlocks a whole new world of how for people because that's just set it and forget it. We don't really want them to forget it, but it's really mindless savings where it's going to come off the top. Instead of asking them to keep a couple dollars out of their fist after they've already been paid and put it in this cookie jar that they're going to pretend like they're not going to touch it's not earning any interest. Right. So first is the pathway. The second is the motivation. So the way we do it, again, this is a liquid account. So employees can take money out whenever they need to. There's not a checkbox about what constitutes an emergency and how does this qualify? Nope, it's a savings account, right? It's a savings account. You can pull money from it whenever you want. So we try to put some guardrails up there to really hold employees true to their savings intent and to their goals. And the way we do that is to motivate them with savings with a really, really high interest rate that they're not going to get anywhere else. And the way we do that is this is the employer match. So instead of doing a dollar for dollar match where the employee could just pull money out after they've been rewarded and there's really no difference, we do it as a subsidized interest rate. And we really try to group employees separately. So like the hourly workers, we're going to have a really ridiculously high interest rate for them that the employer is going to pay something like 10% a quarter, right? Which is like 46% APY. I mean, that's unheard of. And so this is the motivation that gets people invested. The higher ups who can afford to put in more each paycheck, maybe we'll give them like two or 3% per quarter interest rate. So they're still gonna beat, you know, the 0.33% national average of what savings accounts are paying right now. But we wanna give people an incentive to keep the money in the account. Otherwise they treat it as a spending account and pull money out as quick as it's going in. If they make more money with the more money they have in the account, then there's a greater incentive to leave that money there until they really need it and let it grow. It reminds me of, um, well, you're probably too young to remember this, but it reminds me of um, when credit unions used to set up Christmas accounts. 
Yeah. It was a called the Christmas club. Yeah. The Christmas yes. club account. And they would automatically take whatever you designated five or 10 or a hundred dollars out of your checking account, your liquid account and automatically mm -hmm. transfer it into that account. And you, well, in that one, you couldn't touch it until I think it was like September or October, right. but right. it was a, it was an automated way of saving for a specific um, thing. And even though this is liquid and you don't have to, you know, only take it out. I'm having all sorts of troubles this morning. All sorts of stuff is going on here. Um, hair is being weird. My earphones are falling out. So anyway, um, just a little side. Your note. lashes look great though. The lashes but my lashes are on point. That's right. Not, um, <laughs> most important thing. Um, but anyway, so what you're doing, I think is really cool. Let's switch subject or topics for, oh, hang on. I have a, have yeah. a quick, I have a comment here. In the check writing days, I used to round up the numbers after several years of doing this. Mm. I ended up with, yeah, save your change. Same thing. But um, that's a really good point too for, although people don't write checks and probably don't even keep a register anymore. It was a, it was a handy way of doing it. So. And because the little bits add up and that's they what we do. tell employees. You don't have to start off with a lot. Start off with five or 10 or $15 a week. It doesn't have to be this insurmountable option. It doesn't have to be like 10% of your income. Like no is asking. Start with something like a little bit is enough to get started because something is better than nothing. And as soon as you make that first withdrawal, all of a sudden it becomes real and they end up going back in and changing their contribution to increase their contribution amount because now it's now it's real. It's not hypothetical anymore. Right. Remember, they're used to sending away all this money to insurance companies never to be seen again, like unless they get super lucky and break their leg or something. So this yeah. is like, wow, I can have money for whatever. This is I unbelievable. Right? Super lucky and break their neck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, I want to switch gears and talk, I talk about um, Legos for a second, because okay. what do in the world do Legos have to do with savings? Well, for most people, they would think nothing, but Rachel came up with one of the most creative social media ideas I have seen in a long time. And boy, and I'm, I, I follow them. So, but this one was amazing. Um, so I think all your videos are great, but I kind of love this one the most. And I am going to make an attempt to share it with the audience. So we'll see if we can do this because this is my first time trying to share my screen. So we'll see how this goes. Again, if I fail, you guys were here to see it first. So, um, all right, here we go. There it is. So let's see if we can here play this. Hey guys, Rachel Fox with the Sunny Day Fund. I wanted to share with you a conversation that I had with a prospect this week. It was a mid-market employer in the food and beverage industry. And I said, you know, what kind of financial resources do you have available for all these people that work for you? Because they have a lot of people, they have a lot of employees. And they said, oh, well, we have a 401k, an aggressively matched 401k. Well, isn't that fabulous? Everybody wants an aggressively matched 401k. How many of these people are participating in your aggressively matched 401k? Ooh, maybe uh, like 35, maybe 40%. Hmm, okay. So we've got maybe a third of the people, a little bit more than a third of people are participating in the 401k. And all these people are not, the majority of our workforce is not engaged in the savings process, right? Because we know if people are not saving through their paycheck, they're likely not effectively saving on a consistent basis. We've tried to engage these people, right? We've tried to say, don't leave free money on the table. You should invest in the 401k. You need to protect your future. But they're like, it's hard for me to think about putting money away for 30 years from now when I can't put gas in my car today. Do you have something like more liquid that I could use for whatever? No? Okay. And other people say, you know, I like the idea of retirement savings, but it's really hard for me to think about locking money away for 30 years where I don't have access to it. Do you have anything else, like things that I could tap into regularly, like a short-term savings option and a long-term savings option? No, just the long-term. 
Okay. And these people have been watching what's been going on over here because these people are participating in retirement savings, which is great. We want everybody to do that. The employers been the employees have been putting money in, the employers putting money in. There's now money in this pool called the 401k. But it doesn't take much for something to happen to this person that needs money that they don't have. And they're like, hmm, I need some extra money. Where am I gonna go? Literally, the only pool of money that's available for them is the 401k. So now what happens? Now we've got fees and penalties and taxes and early loans and hardship withdrawals and all the things. The money is not staying in the retirement account. So I said to them, hey, what's your next move on the financial side? Like, what do you want to do? What's your next initiative that you're going to put money into for budgeting? You know what they said? We're going to put more. We're going to increase our match on the 401k. We're going to put more in the leaky bucket. Doesn't that sound like a great idea? How about this? How about we have a whole separate pool of money available? You take a little bit of that money you're going to put in the 401k, put it into an emergency savings fund, engages all these people in the savings process that are not interested in long-term savings or it's difficult for them to get started on long-term savings, have a short-term savings option and a long-term savings option together to make a comprehensive financial strategy for any employer. Ready to talk? Sun's up. Let's go. Okay. Oops, sorry. Hang on. Hang on. We had to get, get to stop this over here. See, I told you that we couldn't count on me. All right. Well, we got it off the screen. I was just going in the background. Um, one of my favorite viewers, LinkedIn user, um, said <laughs> <laughs> this is their favorite video. Um, I love it. Um, and uh, Chris Hennessy says these videos are amazing. I, Chris I Hennessy, look, I'm on a LinkedIn live. He's my he's my. Uh, live stream coach. Yay, yay. Yeah. Um, so I think that the videos are truly amazing. Um, if you don't follow her on on TikTok, uh, I will highly recommend it. Sunny Day Fun Fox, I think. Yep. Okay. Um, it's it's great. Um, I, I saw one this morning with um, Skipper from Barbie and Ken and the yeah, whole family. Yeah, Barbie's in this morning. And, um, you know, I think that's so great. I love that the fact that you just are embracing your real life mom, salesperson, everything and bringing it all together. And it makes it fun. I think that there's always I think that there's an element in, of fun in a message that it really um, it, it sticks. It's more sticky. OK, so I have to share this with you because your coach says, I'm so proud. Um, yay! <laughs> so um, coaches. Uh, don't we all, um, the, Leg <laughs> the Legos are a dead giveaway, but clearly yeah. you are a working mom. Um, yeah. I read one of your posts that said that you love duck pin bowling. Um, yeah. and I know the, um, path was to children was not an easy one for you. Mm -hmm. And that's something yeah. that you've, you've been very public about sharing. What inspired you to, to share, you know, some of the struggles and the journey you went through? Yeah. Um, and, and thanks for asking about that. Cause I, I feel like there are, you know, it's a really personal thing for a lot of people that they don't want to talk about. And I get that. That's fine. Everybody handles it in their own way. Um, for me, we only ever had second trimester losses. So we never really had the luxury of private grief. It was always really out there. And, um, it was really a, a you know, eye opening to be a blessing to other people who had gone through it because people had watched my journey on Facebook with it again, because I was really open because I had to be because I wanted everybody to be in the know what had happened. So if you see me in the grocery store, don't ask me how the baby is like check my Facebook and know what's going on. Right. So it was really great, though, that I had some people who I hadn't talked to in 10 or 15, 20 years reach out to me and say, I just miscarried. I just had this happen. I don't really know who else to talk to because nobody talks about this. But but you. Um, 
And so it helped me a lot to kind of talk through it just because I wanted to have other be a resource for other people because I certainly had some people in my life that got me through it. And that was really a, a big reason why I stayed in the environment and why I stayed in employee benefits for so long, because I really thrust myself into my job as we were in IVF land for a decade. And so, you know, you kind of have all those feelings of being defective and, and not good enough. And so I really, you know, like the insurance industry on the carrier side, man, we are really good about throwing out awards, and trips and trophies and all kinds of things. Right. So it just was like, oh, I'm getting perfect. So for me, that was a really important part in my life. But yeah, we had gone through a decade of infertility, multiple second trimester losses. We're in this family of baby makers, right? By the time my first kid was born, we had 16 nieces and nephews. And I'm like, well, all the family names are taken, all the Bible names are taken. I'm just going to start making up names at this point. <laughs> we did. But it was really great. And I pinch myself every day now because, um, again, I think that when we feel wounded, like everybody has a sad story. Everybody has been through something. Everybody carries something, whether you see it or not. And how we react to that is really something that speaks to who we are. I did not react well to it in the time. I was not the epitome of great poise as it was happening, but it makes me really grateful for where I am now. It makes me constantly want to be a support to other people. And again, makes you realize if somebody hangs up on you 18 times a day, you know, when you're cold calling or whatever you have to do, it's like, you don't know what's happening in their world. You don't know what they're carrying and just give people grace and shake it off and move on because we all are human and we're all just trying to do our best. Um, thank you for sharing that. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, the other thing too is I, I don't know the percentages, but they're very high of women that high. have experienced miscarriages, uh, myself included a second trimester miscarriage as well. And that was the end of yeah. my, you know, baby making journey. Um, yep. So I ended up with one child, but I always say he was a keeper. So I was very blessed. And you have now how many children? I have three. They are six, eight and 10. So there was a happy ending to her story. So I wanted to be sure, be sure and share that. Um, so I have had the good fortune of getting to know you through a women's coaching group, ironically enough, led by our friend, a man, Andy yeah. Neary, um, which is very ironic, but he leads it beautifully. It does. Um, so why, and then you mentioned that you're in a coaching group for your, um, for, you know, getting to ready to be able to do live events, et cetera. Yeah. Why do you think, I'd love to hear your opinion on why you think it's important to be engaged in coaching? Yeah, I think that I, you should always surround yourself with people who know more than you do, right? Like, I think that's the only way to get better. I tell my kids that with sports because I coach all my kids sports and they always are like, oh yeah, we're going to play this team. They're super easy to beat. And I'm like, then you're not going to play your best, right? Like you need to be around people who are going to challenge you, get you out of your comfort zone, make you learn new things. And I think that that's the same in life. So I'm, I'm so excited for, you know, Andy's influence to encourage me to put myself out there on LinkedIn and have all the videos that I'm doing and the photos and all the things, because I think that there's a big logic to building a rapport with your audience, even if you haven't met them, like the more they see you, the more comfortable they get with you, the more familiar you become to them and the more likely they're that you're going to be top of mind whenever they start thinking about the topic of the service that you can provide. Um, and I think people have to know who you are before they care about what you do or wanting to work with you. And for me, like, it's really hard for me to be anybody else. Like what you see is what you get kind of thing. So you should know from my videos kind of how I am and my natural sunny demeanor. Um, and so, yeah, like I like there should be no surprises in working with me. And I just like to have that out there so that, again, everybody knows that. And Andy has been a huge encourager on 
really putting yourself out there and building my content on LinkedIn, as well as all the other ladies in the group, I've been overwhelmed with the support and the encouragement and the cheerleading and the knowledge that's exchanged. So many veteran professionals in there that I can really go to and say, hey, I don't know what to do about this. Or what did you do when you experienced this? And those are huge. Just to know that you can trust somebody who's been there and they're going to call it like it is. Yeah. Well, I have uh, known Andy for a few years now and have been involved in multiple of his programs and he continues to coach me one-on-one as well. But I remember when he was getting ready to start this um, program, it's called Mm -hmm. a league of their own because Andy's a former pitcher, which I think is very, very cute, very clever name. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the reasons that he wanted to have a women, a women's group or women focus group is that he was finding through his coaching that women were more likely to take his advice and take action on it. He would have these mixed group of people and oftentimes the men would take, they'd listen, but then in their head, they would be like, well, I can already do it better. I probably don't need to do that. So he decided to do this, which I think was, I I thought it was kind of funny, but um, also true. And especially when I see this group and everybody taking action and doing different things to to improve, but also to speak to your point about um, putting yourself out there, anybody in the sales industry, well, really in any industry, it's really what's called the no like trust cycle. And your clients have to get to know who you are. They have to be aware of you, which is by putting yourself out there, you make that available. And they are going to either decide they like you or they don't like you. I mean, I'm certainly not everybody's cup of tea. So either they like me or they don't, but that's okay because then that narrows my field down and I know who, who I should be doing business with. And then the next thing, of course, is to build the trust with them, which you can't do just from social media. That usually is the off social media next step. But you need those first two steps to get there in the first place. Yeah. And especially in an industry where there's a lot of other people that are doing what you're doing, it's really important to have a unique voice out there and show what you can offer. With us, again, we're in a brand new market. We're in a brand new emerging market. And this is something where um, we're just trying to get our name out there and get our services out there. And so that people understand what it is. Again, we're a startup. So we're trying to be super efficient with our dollars and our time. And so LinkedIn is a really great way for us to increase our visibility. Um, and, and most of our prospects are on LinkedIn. It's just a matter of making a real connection with them and, and starting a relationship there. Yeah. Um, I have another comment from Carol Lindbergh. It says, great session, Rachel and Nancy. Love the Legos. I still have Legos all over my house and my son is 19. Mine's 30, almost 31. And they're still, we still have them around. <laughs> Although I am passing them off because they're having a baby in June. Um, it was great to meet you on Females and Finance Community. That's very nice. Thank you for, t- for, for yes, that's that another crap. community that I'm a part of. It's all women-based. It's mostly women-based. And um, I really, really enjoy, again, just, I think just because I'd come from employee benefits, it's a really male-dominated industry, and I had always been around that. You know, I always joked with my husband when we went on these trips. I was like, go hang out with the other wives over there, you know, yeah. and, and he'd be introduced. Everybody, Eric would introduce him and be like, this is Foxy's husband, and he's like, you know, my name is Fox. Like, I gave her that name. I was the original Foxy, right? But I really intensely myself because I wanted that influence. I wanted that encouragement. They've exceeded my expectation at every, at everyone. So females finance is another great, great network. that I'm part of. It really is. It really is. Um, okay. So time to move on to the fun part of the show. And Rachel had not prepared for this. So yay. I hadn't, I was we, such we, a were, we were going to catch her off guards. Okay. Everybody gets asked uh, some version of these questions. It's kind of my fun little part that I do. Yeah. 
And since the show is called Recipe for Success, my first question is, what is your favorite food in the world and can you cook it? Um, hmm, like my favorite food that I could eat every day before I, like I die would probably be pizza of any, of any. I am a terrible food critic because I've never met a pizza that I don't like. But um, as far as like something that I would really look forward to, for me, that is sushi. Like I live out in boondocks and I cannot get sushi anywhere close to my house. It's not something I can make. So I get it like maybe on my birthday once a year or something. It's just really, I, like I love it and not a lot of people in my family do. So it's definitely a special thing for me. Okay, good to know. All right. So what's one character trait that you most admire in other people and why? Oh my gosh. It's, it's, this is so funny because, um, our CEO founder now, and even my boss at my, at my previous job when I was a health broker, the two things, like the one thing that both of them had in common that really stood out to me was just their way with words, right? They're really intentional in the way they talk. They have this vocabulary where I just feel like I'm rambling on with 18,000 things and they could sum it all up in one word, like the mastery of the English language. It's the only language I know. You'd think that I'd be better at it by now, but I'm always impressed when I'm around people who just speak so eloquently and kind of effortlessly. You know, I grew up in the fast talk and build world where everybody's just so quick. So when people really slow it down and are thoughtfully like mindful of the words that they say and how they say things and so empathetic and thinking about how other people are receiving it, it constantly just, again, makes me want to be better in my communication styles. Mm, I love that. Okay. So now I get to flip the mirror on you. What's the character mm. trait that you possess that you're most proud of and why? Um, yeah, I don't know if I, I, I'm always proud of it. I don't know if it always serves me well, but I just feel like I am me. Like, it's really, like, I've learned a long time ago, I can't be anything else but me. Um, and and like you said, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, and that's okay. But I think it took me to get into my mid-40s to kind of embrace that and just be like, you know what, it's okay if I'm not somebody's cup of tea. Because 20 years ago, if I wasn't somebody's cup of tea, it was devastating. But now it's like, you know what, you don't really have to like me, that's okay. Like, there's other fish in the sea, literally, that I can like go and do things with. So it took me a long time to just say, this is who I am, love it or hate it. I'm not going to change for you because I'm incapable of it because this is who I am authentically. Um, so yeah. I love it. Okay. So what's the one piece of advice you would give someone who says they can't afford to save? Uh, you can't afford not to. Good enough. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I kind of have a sense of where this is going to go, but what is your secret talent or something that people would be surprised to learn about you? Oh, uh, that I'm an artist. My mom was my art teacher growing up in high school, and um, she still lives with me. So if you hear an 80-year-old shuffling by talking to the fish, that's her, and I love her to death. And she cracks me up, and she's always walking by going, don't waste your talents. It's a sin to waste your talents. What are you doing today? What are you challenging yourself with today? I wanted to go to school for art when I was going to college. My dad was like, what are you going to major in? I was like, I'd, I'd like to go to school for art. He's like, I'm not paying for that. What else do you want to major in? I was like, biology? He's like, yeah, that'll work. So that's my biology degree story. Okay. But I think there's another thing that some people might not know about you and that this girl is a bug fanatic. I am. I am. And that's actually why I went to college in Australia. You can see this painting I made of Australia behind me. Um, I went to college and like I went, I bounced around a little bit in college. I started off at the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And then I went to Griffith University on the Gold Coast in Surface Paradise, Australia. And then I ended up at uh, the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia. 
And I went there because I really wanted to um, go into entomology. I love insects and bugs, and that were they were always my still life, all of my drawings. And I mean, I it was more of a bachelor's level you know, schooling over there where here is more master's level. So I was already a biology major and I was like, I'm just going to go over there because then I can play field hockey and rugby year round and live on the beach and play with all the bugs. And they've okay. got really amazing insects down there. Yeah, you can have them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a secret about me. I do not like bugs. Uh, I'm not that would freak me out, but I just would prefer they weren't around. So. Oh, no, we love them around here. Like my kids too. Like they, if anybody has a, like a bug in the classroom, all of my kids' teachers know. It's like, get that fox kid. They'll pick it up. <laughs> my, my daughter came in yesterday. She had like five stink bugs on her hand. She's like, mommy, look. I, I hate like, the stink bugs. They're the worst. And we, we've we never had them until this year. For some reason, we got them out here. And I'm not a really? fan. They yeah. need to go. You can have them. Yeah, they need to go. Uh, okay. So last question. Who is the one person? They could be famous. They could be not famous. They could be on a podcast. They could be an actor, author, whatever, that you would most, that you've never met, and you'd most like to sit down in real life and have a cup of coffee and a conversation with. That's amazing. I'm terrible at picking just one, just so you know. Even okay. with the food question, I had to pick two. She's yeah, you I'm can a pick two. Um, and it's funny because my my brain immediately goes to the things that I read about the most. Like because when you see people like writing, I like I'm always intrigued about like what was going on in your head. So I, I mean, I have a whole list of people. I would probably say like Paul from the New Testament. Like I would have all kinds of questions for him. Um, George Washington, I've read so much about early Americana and just the, the struggles and, and the decisions that were made and just the, the fire in the belly that it took to make this. Jane Austen, I mean, I'm a Downton Abbey fan and like Pride and Prejudice any day of the week and I am super so all of those people, people that I've just like, man, if I could just see like, what did they eat for breakfast? you know, just get on a daily, what is in your brain kind of uh, level. That would make me really happy. That's amazing. I'd like to thank you so <laughs> much. You do, you are amazing. I know that your, um, your live streaming coach is very proud of your performance. You will thank be killing you. it your time being the host on the other side of the screen. Um, but I want to, before we, before we sign off, I want to take yep. a moment to, again, encourage employers if you have never heard of the Sunny Day Fund, which probably you haven't because it's new, um, get in touch with Rachel. If you don't know how to get in touch with Rachel, get in touch with me and I will make the connections for you. If you're an individual thinking this would be amazing, I wish my employer had something like this, make sure that you um, connect with her, with me, um, and we can reach out to your employer if you need to, but this is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And I encourage people to take advantage of it because this is something new. And like she said, I think that they are, they are the groundbreakers in this, in this area where HSAs used to be 20 years ago. So this is a wonderful opportunity to be more inclusive for all people to have more liquid savings available. Uh, we had one last comment. Great show. Yes, he is proud. So we're very happy about that. Thank He's you. Once, thank you once again for, for my audience. Uh, next week, I am out of town at a conference. So I may be. And doing I'm so jealous. I'm not going to be there. I know it's going to be great. Um, Everybody's going to be there. And I'm not, again, working for a startup. I can't get away. I was at Ascend, but I would love to be at UPowered. I know. So um, I will probably be doing a couple of spontaneous lives next week with people I can grab on the floor, but it will not be at the regularly scheduled time. So I'll be back <clears throat> two weeks from today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And again, please feel free to
feel free to share this podcast with anyone. It is on, uh, it does live permanently on YouTube and you can of course also find it on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks again and see you soon.